Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. A West Ham, Manchester United thriller. Chelsea and Liverpool are going toe-to-toe. We're going to ask the question, what is Brighton's ceiling? And who should be more concerned, Wolves or Leeds? And we're going to round it all off with a Carabao Cup preview. up guys what up hey what's going on fellas happy monday happy monday tuesday for yeah. listeners maybe later in the week if we we probably fall behind three or four soccer soccer podcasts so mm-hmm. if you've gotten to us before the week the weekend thank you um gentlemen another fun weekend of soccer we're starting to get into uh kind of this first you know, 10, 20% of the season where we're seeing a little bit more of what teams are made of. We can start asking some harder questions. There's still a lot of season left. So um, I'm sure we'll look back at this episode and, and know that, wow, we made some big, crazy assumptions at that point. But before we get into to some other thoughts, we always want to start off as, as often as we can with Kemi. Kemi's thoughts. Kemi, you watched Leeds Newcastle. That was the Friday match. Those are the Friday and Monday matches at noon are so good because typically I don't have meetings at work so I can have those huh. matches on while I'm writing some emails. So I got to also watch that match almost in its entirety. Uh, Kemi, what, what were your thoughts? Fun match. Um, it is, it's been cool. Um, observing the different play styles of each club um, and how they match up week to week. Um, Biggest takeaway from this one, we'll probably talk about more later um, because it's also my goal of the week, Rafinha. Um, And it's probably, we'll talk about goal of the week. I'll go with his um, opportunity at a, for a brace, two goals, brace. Yes. Yeah. Ah, Come on. Um, what looked to me like an open net, great opportunity, and it looked like he's soft-footed. I could be totally wrong. Maybe there are angles. Maybe there are gophers on the field. Who knows? But it looked like he had, opp- he had an opportunity um, to push them ahead by one goal and totally missed. But fun game. Sorry, fun match. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to We'll talk more about that goal. That was probably my biggest highlight. Not very many shots on goal, um, but a fun match. Not my favorite fun match, though. Either team stand out to you as a team that you'd like to take a a second look at later on? They are still competing with Liverpool for me, or I know it seems really weird. I really enjoyed um, Crystal Palace my first (laughs) week because of the crowd. I know it's weird, but I'm a sucker for emotion and crowds involvement. So um, uh, probably I'm cooling. I probably cooled on them as the match went on. Um, And then a one, one tie, you know, didn't move the needle much, uh, especially after watching the Cardinals and the Vikings end in a 33, 34. Put that out there. Come on. I'm sorry. Well, you you just have to know that Newcastle is just not an option for any of our neophytes. I mean, it's it's kind of a, it's, it's a bit of a bait and switch. I mean, there's just, you, you can't choose Newcastle, not because it's not allowed. You can, anyone could choose Newcastle if they wish, but we will talk so much shit about Newcastle (laughs) and about how bad their ownership is. Yeah, uh, that we it'll just be impossible for a neophyte to choose them. So really, you're watching Leeds to say, could I watch Leeds? Okay. Well, Newcastle might get relegated anyway. There's a good chance of that. Their fans, however, won't get relegated. Just the club. And that park, that park is St. James Park is on my bucket list of parks. Like there's the there's the classic traditional parks and field. 
Old Trafford. Those are, are parks I would love to see. But St. James Park to me, for whatever reason, the way the stands are, it's got these like deep overhangs. Like it just looks like a proper English uh, football stadium park, whatever you want to call it. And um, I would love to see a match there someday. Say when. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I did want to say is those leads jerseys uniforms kits are absolutely atrocious (laughs) that color is maybe the worst color in god's creation i just it is it's not like it kind of it kind of looked like somebody threw the laundry they threw the the dark blue in with the white shirts and the white shirts came out looking like that Yeah. Kind of, like what color would you call it? It's kind of like a lavender, but it, lavender. it's kind of a lavender. It's like lighter than a lavender somehow. <laughs> yeah, daintier lighter, than a lavender. Light, lighter and daintier than <laughs> daintier than a lavender. <laughs> We've got our episode title. Yep. <laughs> I just wrote it down. <laughs> All right. Well, Leeds Leeds has some work to, work to do. Um, that that's Kyle's team from last year. And we'll talk a little bit more about them later. Uh, also, let's I'll, jump. I'll say, Kemi, your unfounded love for Crystal Palace, yeah. not uncommon in this space because Kyle was in love with Crystal Palace for no reason whatsoever for most of last season. He loved a lot of their guys as he was his boy. Uh, so don't feel like that's uncharted territory for this podcast. I think Crystal Palace finished third for me in in my clubs. They've got there's some love for Crystal Palace out there. I don't remember where they finished for me, but Aaron Wambasaka was their best defender that season, who was my favorite player in the league at that point. Nice. So happened that he transferred to Man United after I chose them. So that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was very jealous of that transfer. But we have a thriller to talk about Chris and um, we will let you do the honors because that that West Ham United Manchester United match the ending of that match was just a remarkable but but give us give us your take on the match as a whole yeah it was it was crazy I was glad Mikel Antonio got his uh, red card last week and had to sit out this game um, because that dude's terrifying, especially I'm not going to pretend like Man United plays the greatest defense. They're very susceptible to counterattacks. If opposing teams get the ball out fast, you can score on United. Um, Harry Maguire is really good when you slow down the game. He's really bad on a fast counterattack. So if you want to score in United, that's your best opportunity. If you try and come in slowly, it's probably going to get stopped. What's Fred good at? uh, Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely nothing. Um, And look, I mean, uh, this is beyond this is beside the topic. You brought it up, not me. He actually didn't play terribly in the Champions League match in midweek, but he was back to being Fred on on Sunday morning. So, so anyway, so I was terrified of West Ham going into the game. I was very glad Mikel Antonio was not in the game. Um, we were up north, about three hours north of Phoenix in Sholo for a family funeral this weekend. So. Uh, Again, praise out to the wife for putting up with me waking up at 5.55 in the morning and laying in bed next to her as I watch the game on the iPad with the sound on. So I appreciate her. (laughs) (laughs) Sound on is an important uh, piece to that. For sure, for sure. Uh, So first half, classic, classic game. A lot of United uh, handling the ball, kind of owning possession and they give up a breakaway. Ben Rama comes down, scores on a deflection uh, right off Varane. Um, the shot was on goal, deflects to the opposite corner off Varane. So no own goal, Ben Rama gets, gets the credit on that one. Um, I don't know if De Gea would have made the initial save, but those deflections where it's going to one post, deflects off someone and goes to the other, the goal is just so screwed. There's absolutely nothing the goalie can do at that point. Um, but five minutes later, 
unbelievably, maybe believably, Cristiano Ronaldo, again, scores his third goal in two games, comes on an absolutely gorgeous Bruno Cross. Um, it was a, like the, the initial attempt, and I actually need to ask you guys what the rule on this is, um, but Bruno makes a beautiful cross into Ronaldo. He flicks it on goal. Goalie makes the initial save, but Ronaldo's there by himself to just tap it in. Does Bruno get the assist on that goal, or does the assist only play on the initial shot that he helps create? Anybody know? I think he gets the assist, but I I mean, I'd have to look. I'll look and check right now, but I, I do think they consider, like, the whole piece of the equation. Okay. No, yeah, he did not. He did not get an assist for that. So okay. apparently, you have to score on the first touch. Okay. Uh, anyways, it was, a, or at least the first like possession, right? So if yeah. if you, you yeah, can get time. past the ball and dribble a little bit and then score, okay. I would think you'd still get the assist. Yeah, that's right. All right. So yeah. So anyways, Bruno Bruno was awesome in this game. He didn't score, but his passing was just beautiful. Um, and then so they go into halftime tied. Tied 1-1, one, one, um, which I was not surprised by. I actually threw a parlay together where I had United winning the match 3-1, but tied 1-1 one, one at halftime. So, unfortunately, I lost out. Uh, second half was just a lot of kind of back and forth. Uh, United had a lot of possession, but couldn't couldn't finish anything. And and I'll talk about it afterwards, but I where the good of Ronaldo comes in also comes with a lot of the bad of Ronaldo. Uh, <laughs> This game kind of uh, they it went back and forth, um, coming down towards the end. Ole makes some substitutions, brings in Sancho, brings in Lingard off the bench at about the seventy third, seventy fourth minute, and uh, they're still, you know, still drawn up one one. All right, so Lingard comes into the box. He's been on the pitch for about fifteen minutes at this point. Um, makes a beautiful move and just hits a scorcher in, you know, nice bending top right corner. I love goals that go from one side to the other, but don't just go to the other corner. They hit the side netting. That means, I don't know why, like I love that goal, maybe more than any other, just the pinpoint accuracy that it takes to pull that goal off is just phenomenal to me. So, side netting and top netting. Yeah, like, like When you get yeah. that, when you're so close that you just fired into the top of the net, those yeah. are good goals. I also love if, if they can hit the top post and it just shoots right back down but across the line, amazing goals to me. Uh, anyways, I digress. So Lingard, who if you followed last year, was the biggest transfer in the midseason transfer window to West Ham. Loan, right? He was loaned. Sorry, sorry. He was loaned out from Manchester United to West Ham in January. Made the biggest difference in the entire league. Uh, was absolutely phenomenal for them. He, when he came on, he even got a pretty hefty round of applause, uh, which was cool to see. So he buries this one against the team that essentially loved him. These fans took him in. He didn't celebrate typical Jesse style. I think even he kind of took it in stride of like, yes, this is a great moment, but I love my time here. I love playing for you guys. Uh, so it's a really cool moment. Um, an interesting like little side note, uh, Kemi, is there? there's some interesting like interplay between like being on a former team, coming back to play against that team. If you've been on loan, like how do you respond when you score a goal? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times guys will kiss the badge and that's like a sign of like loving your club but players will get so much stick if they kiss the badge of a new club that they've against their old club particularly it will send fans ballistic so vice versa jesse lingard spent the last six months with west ham most people thought that he was going to transfer them there permanently um, so it's kind of a surprise he didn't because he played so well for them last year. And so him not celebrating kind of over the top was a sign of respect to Manchester United, because especially they were at Manchester United or uh, West Ham because they were at West Ham. He was showing respect to them. For sure. Okay. And, uh, 
so really cool moment um, for that to go down. He scores in the 89th minute. You basically assume that that's the ball game. Well, United gets the ball back, comes back down. Ronaldo's in the box and takes a, uh, I wouldn't call it a dive, but uh, the defender comes sliding in and kind of takes him out. Ronaldo's screaming for a penalty. Ref doesn't give it. Ball goes the other way. There's even a VAR check while they're kind of going the other way. VAR decides it's not a clear and obvious error. Um, ball comes the other way. Gets into United's box. Shot on that Shaw is turning away from with his hand out. He's trying to move to his left. And I think naturally kind of just sticks his hand out to move with it. And the guy shoots it. Unnaturally. And as he's turning away from it, it hits him in the hand. It's a hundred percent a penalty. I'm not arguing that in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's a it's hundred percent of them. Like we've seen this over and over again. We saw it in another match this week with uh, Sushek, who you know was trying to defend on a cross, gets his hand up like flailing, and ball hits his hand. It's a hand. There's nothing you can do about it. Vestigard, right? I think that was. Yeah, the I'm sorry, not Sushek. the Vestigard one's different. We'll talk about that in a second. The Vestigard one really sucks because he was basically being dragged to the ground. But <laughs> yes, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, it's, you know, again, it, nine times out of ten, these guys don't mean to do this, but anytime your hand gets away from your body and the ball hits it, it's a penalty. So ref doesn't call it. West Ham freaks out. Eventually, VAR gets involved. VAR calls the referee over to take a look. So VAR didn't decide it on their own. They wanted the referee to make the call. He comes back, decides penalty, um, penalty kick. So Aston Villa subs in Noble, who I guess is maybe their West Ham. All right, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place right now. So West Ham subs in Noble, who I'm guessing is like their premier penalty taker. He's kind of an older player, been at the club. I think he said like 15 years or something like that. Been there for forever. Fans are cheering as he subs in to take the penalty kick. So this guy has not been in the game at all. And any of you United fans out there, or if you remember how United season ended last year, it ended in the FA Cup where they went to this wild shootout where it went like it went to the 11th player, which are the goals. David De Gea plays that game. He gives up 11 straight penalty kicks and then he has to take one on his own and he misses and the game is over. So last year's United season ends in the FA cup with De Gea, not only not stopping a single penalty kick, he misses his own chance at redemption season over your lasting memory is him crying next to the cup. Well, here comes David De Gea in the game who hasn't made a save on a penalty kick in God knows how long. West Ham brings in Noble, their best penalty taker. And unbelievably, in like the 95th minute, Noble strikes it and De Gea makes a diving save with his right hand. Um, absolutely incredible to watch it live. Ball goes the other way, ends up out of bounds. Referee blows the whistle, full time, game over, 2 1 United. Totally insane last like 10 minutes of the game from Lingard's goal to Ronaldo's no call to the Shaw penalty to the De Gea save. I mean, it was a, you know, Man United wet dream, basically. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, and one of the cool things I saw, and I haven't been able to see footage from anywhere else, is there was a picture posted by one of the, the football um, Twitter, Twitter accounts. It was a really cool, it was a backed out. It was behind the United goal. It was De Gea getting ready. Noble's in mid stride as he's approaching the ball. And Ronaldo is in De Gea's line of sight. And he's holding up his right hand, pointing to the right side of the goal, saying, he's going here. And De Gea dives that way and makes it safe. Now, I don't know. Maybe Ronaldo was doing, I have no idea. I haven't seen video of it. I can't find an angle of it other than that one still frame picture of Ronaldo pointing towards the right side of the net. I have no idea, but it, it, it was crazy. And un, I don't think I've seen a finish like that in any of the Premier League games I've ever watched that could have gone either way. I mean, just incredible. Yeah, that's a that's a remarkable ending. And I mean, there's a there's a lot to talk about there. Some of those Ronaldo fouls were pretty 
the the first one was questionable because there was two towards the end the first one was kind of questionable the second one seemed pretty clear like it was it was shocking that they didn't call a foul on that yeah i mean and we we talked about it at length a few weeks ago when that pogba potential penalty against against wolves happened right like essentially that was the exact same play but it was in the box and they didn't make the call with the defender sliding into him Uh, i thought the funniest thing was the commentators and even post-game commentators were all on board with that being a penalty for ronaldo that that should have been given um and question the shot foul which i'm not questioning i think that 10 out of 10 times that's a penalty if your arms that far away from your body and it hits it i guess they could argue like where did it hit it but it looked like it basically hit him in the elbow and i think that that's a penalty every time so i'm not going to argue the shot call i thought it was right um one of one of my takeaways like i was saying the good with the bad with ronaldo like his goal scoring is ridiculous i mean to put in three goals in two games and your first you know, time back in the, in the league is insane. Uh, what I'm seeing as a negative is they're trying to get him the ball. They're like force feeding him so many balls. And he's such a good finisher. You expect him to finish a lot. But there were numerous times where he had Mason Greenwood streaking down the opposite side alone that if he passes that ball, they score probably every time because Greenwood's such a good finisher. But Ronaldo's putting the ball on net or trying to take a shot or trying to make a move to get a shot, which you accept, right? Like that's the good with the bad, but it's so often good, you deal with it. Um, it's just kind of interesting because they, they're, they're really feeding, like you can see Bruno constantly feeding him over and over again throughout the game. Your, um, your recanting that match is exactly where I want to be at the end of the season. I didn't watch that match, but that was intense. That's awesome. That was impressive. That was impressive, man. Thanks, you storyteller. You that was good. Love it. Uh, another interesting match this weekend was Chelsea Tottenham. Um, Tottenham started the year off three straight wins. They've now lost two in a row. Um, I think this was this was a match. You know, one of those matches early on that you're trying to discern. Uh, which team's real, which team's not. Tottenham loses again. Uh, good first half, nil-nil. Uh, but Thomas Tuchel, what he's done with that Chelsea squad, the way he's managing, this is these are those things that if you don't pay attention to world soccer, you have no idea who some of these managers are when they come in. Like Bruno Lodge for, for Wolves. These guys just come in from another league and you don't know what to expect. But what Thomas Tuchel's done since he's taken over at Chelsea has been remarkable. And um, one of the things he just, he's not afraid to make changes to his system and what's going on. And so he took Mason Mount off at, at halftime and bring on uh, Indola Conte. And uh, it was, it was a difference maker and, Chelsea goes on to score three goals in the second half and just blow out, uh, blow out Tottenham. And I think really show like, I think this is a match that really shows where both those clubs are at Chelsea being at the top and Tottenham not being there. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. I think, um, him, him subbing Mason at half was, uh, I mean, it's not crazy to me, but like England fans, even who aren't Chelsea fans, like they wear their national crest just as much as they wear their team crest. Like to pull Mason Mount is a huge deal in England. Like he is their golden boy. He's their Christian Pulisic, right? Like, so to pull him is a huge deal. Now, I think he's probably the most overrated player I've ever seen in the Premier League. Not, and I'm not saying he's not good. But for the love that he gets, the respect that he gets, what people talk about him, I don't see it at that high of a level. Um, but again, I'm a moron who doesn't know that much. But I think um, I, I think it was pretty clear that Chelsea's the better team. Um, here's my question to you guys. Harry Kane has zero goals in four appearances. I don't know if that's happened before in this stretch. I mean, Harry Kane is a phenomenal goal scorer. Um, he kind of appears to be disinterested, kind of appears to be checked out. Are they going to regret not selling him in this transfer window that they just closed? 
to be fair, I feel like he generally looks disinterested and then just scores 30 goals in a season. He kind of looks like he can't be bothered. And then, Oh, he's at the top of the goal scoring charts. That's so we'll see. I mean, but, but I don't know that he's gone four games. I don't remember the last time he's gone that long without scoring, especially to open the season. Yeah. I think, uh, Tim, did you see the picture? <laughs> I don't know who posted it, but it was uh, Mo Salah side by side with Harry Kane after Mo ripped his shirt off this week. And no, I didn't see that. So Mo Salah rips his shirt off after right. all this week and he's just jacked. Yeah. And then someone posted a picture of shirtless Harry Kane. It's like <laughs> kind of pudgy and kind of dad bodish in like a like like a still in shape soccer kind of a way. Uh, yeah. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I don't I I thought I I thought they should have sold him all along. Like if you've got a star who doesn't want to be there and you're going to get that much money, like sell him. Like it, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense to me to keep him. It really felt like Daniel Levy was just being stubborn. He said he wasn't going to sell him. And, and to be fair, I had read some articles and some stories that they had promised Nuno that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't uh, sell him. I don't know if that plays a role. It feels a bit more like Daniel Levy being stubborn, but um, that, yes, I think they should have sold him. You might as well like use that money somewhere else, get someone who clearly doesn't want to be there out of there and start fresh. Yeah. It was interesting. We were, we were texting earlier in a funny way about, um, money in these clubs and right in the big six and so i did a i did a, a mini dive into uh, payrolls and and we've kind of talked about it payrolls being reported for these clubs is kind of hit and miss there's could be truth in there there could be not they don't have to report you know the full details of these contracts that are being signed but i think generally stuff leaks and you find out what i was kind of surprised by is uh tottenham of the big six is actually the lowest spender as far as just salary on their books for players now that doesn't take into account transfer fees and all of that stuff but they were significantly lower on the salary side than any of the other six um, take United out of it because their payroll is just stupid. I fully admit that it's it's absurd what their payroll is compared to everyone else. But uh, you know, City, Liverpool are kind of the big, uh, the other two kind of big spenders at right around 140 million. Chelsea's at about 165. Tottenham's at about 75, which isn't significantly higher than what these mid-tier teams were at. We, we were joking about Wolves versus Liverpool because of Nate and Tim, um, but Wolves have a $45 million payroll, according to the reports, and Liverpool at 140, you know, 140, there's a significant gap there. But from 45 to 75, I mean, it's still almost double. It's like one and a half, but it's not as significant as you think when you talk about these big six clubs. So I wonder, you, why not sell Harry Kane in that window when you were offered above a hundred million? I know that it was above a hundred million. Um, yeah. Why not take that deal and invest it right back into your club and increase that payroll to be able to compete on those higher levels? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I agree. I think it was a mistake and we'll see as the season shapes out. Daniel Levy, are you listening? Actually, we don't care. We actually don't care. I actually would like to see Tottenham down towards the bottom middle. (laughs) Yes, because of their uh, kit choices this season. Oh, horrible. Spiteful towards Nuno. I am a little bit. It's so weird. I I can't figure it out. But the ex-girlfriend factor. It is. It is. I don't want her back. Um, (laughs) Chelsea and Liverpool. We'll give Tim his his two minute speed round a little bit later, but. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool sit atop um, the table. Uh, is Manchester United, they have the same amount of points, just different yeah. on goal differential? Yeah, so they give up goals on like those other two teams. <laughs> so Chelsea and Liverpool uh, are top of the table with, I think, a plus 11 goal differential. Manchester United's third with a plus nine. But what's even more remarkable is that Chelsea and Liverpool have had the exact same results every week. 
the exact same result. So this week was three nil victories. They obviously drew against each other. But one thing I learned this week is that if you have teams tied uh, on points and tied on goal differential and tied on goals scored and goals allowed, it goes to head to head. And because Chelsea drew at Anfield, not because C comes before L, but because Chelsea drew at Anfield, that's considered a win or a, a, a they won the head to head. And so uh, Chelsea is in first place and they would receive the trophy if the season ended today, which it does not. So if they not. play, if they play tomorrow at Chelsea and they draw one, one, what then happens? I, they share the trophy. They probably, share the, they probably share the trophy or Chelsea gets it again because C comes before L. I don't know. I think they would share the trophy at that point. If they have all the exact same results, they, they would have to, I would imagine. Yeah. I'm sure like Jurgen Klopp would file some kind of trademark name change to we are now a Liverpool. <laughs> like the opposite of the Ohio State University. They're just a, we're just a Liverpool. A Liverpool football club. Well, I mean, with Everton down the street, they are just a Liverpool football club. That's true. <laughs> and don't forget about Tranmere Rovers. Tranmere, Tranmere Rovers of uh, EFL League Two, also a Liverpool team. My sincere apologies for forgetting about them. <laughs> I, I will say, though, when we're talking about them being level, because obviously, like, one, it's still super early. So, like, storylines will diverge wildly going forward. Um, are you guys familiar with XG? Like, that? it's like a, it's sort yeah. of like sabermetrics a little bit. Yep. Um, for I for soccer. sure. I for sure am because it's the it's only good it. thing. I can the only good thing for wolves. For wolves. <laughs> well, totally. And so one of the places I one of the I looked at a few different websites because just like war and baseball, different places calculate them a little bit differently, but some general patterns are in all of them. And so, according to that, I'll just say really briefly, City and Liverpool are basically neck and neck, in terms of. Uh, uh, expected goal differential, which is the most important for teams. Like expected goals is helpful to know about a single player, but for the teams, it doesn't matter if you score, you know, four goals per game or XG of four goals per game for your team, if you allow to per game, you know? So uh, anyway, but wolves are third on this one that I saw. And then on the other, I think they were, where were they on this other one? Just a little bit lower, but like, in sixth or something but Chelsea on both of them is a ways down on this one Chelsea's seventh and this other one they're sixth so again those things will drastically change as the season goes on but it does tell you a little bit like which teams have gotten more fortunate and which teams have been unfortunate so according to this Wolves have been particularly um unfortunate Liverpool's right where they should be basically Uh, according to this one it said they should have 10.8 and they have 11 so um, yeah, saw, Chelsea's gotten a little bit lucky. I, I sent you guys that, that league table of expected points, which I think takes XG and XGA for each match and then creates like expected point yeah. per match. And that was similar for Wolves. I think they were expected to have eight points and they only have three right now. Yeah. So, but there's another team in the big four. And that's Brighton. Brighton, Hove, Albion. They broke my heart on a bet. I thought a sure thing. Lester was like a plus, plus 150. I texted Chris, <laughs> dragged him into my, my bet on Lester away at Brighton and Brighton won. Um, maybe a little unfairly, but we're not going to dive into that. My question is, Brighton is not going to finish fourth. Where, where, where is the highest you guys think Brighton could finish this year? I will say, I will go back to what I have said previously on this podcast multiple times. Schedules matter. Brighton, great start. You beat Burnley, Watford, lost to Everton, beat Brentford by one, 
and beat Leicester. Leicester's a legitimate win. I'll give you that one. Other than Leicester actually hasn't looked that good to start the season. Schedules matter. Um, we saw this with Southampton last year. They were in the top three last year going into like November and they finished in the bottom 16. So uh, while this is a cool, fun story, they are not finishing fourth. I still think they are probably 15th at the end of the season. How dare you? I know. I picked them finishing 11th for no good reason. I think other than like, it seems like it's a sunnier part of England. They've got, they're the seagulls. They've got like a boardwalk. I just like the Brighton, Brighton as a concept. So <laughs> I picked them to finish 11th and feeling pretty good about that. I think that that, that could be where they finish. Uh, let's talk about another question I have for you guys. And I'm going to abstain from this answer is, uh, wolves and leads Kyle's team from last year and my team, we are hugging, leaning up against cuddling with (laughs) the, uh, relegation zone. Both of us definitely flirting. We are definitely flirting at the very least, uh, Wolves have three points. Leeds have three points. Leeds have not won yet this season. Wolves have won one match. Uh, who are you more concerned about? I mean, I guess if the question is, are you thinking concern in terms of relegation or just overall situation? Because I think Over, like overall situation, I think Leeds has fallen further than than expected. Um, Wolves, I don't know what the progno- if the prognosis was particularly good coming into the season, right? Like, kind of felt like a little bit of a – it could be a little bit of a crapshoot how things go, but there wasn't a lot of reason to expect a surge. Um, I don't think either club is actually at risk of relegation, really. I think they're both – they both got a lot of talent. They, they'll figure it out. I think, I think Leeds will ultimately finish above Wolves on the table, but I don't think either are going to be relegated. Well, Tim, I hate to agree with you, but I'm going to <laughs> um, It's just so well-reasoned. It, it, I mean, brilliant. Brilliant stuff there, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I'm certainly more concerned about Leeds especially considering I have them in my top seven, potentially pushing for European Cup games. Um, And and here's why I keep going back to schedules matter. They do. um, Leeds drew with Everton. They got smoked by United in the opening weekend. They got smoked by Liverpool. Um, But they drew against Burnley and Newcastle, who are by no means uh, fire starters in this league. Um, that's concerning to me. That's worrisome to me. Uh, Wolves have a built-in, I don't necessarily want to call it an excuse, but it, it, it's an excuse, right? It's a reason. A brand new coach bringing a brand new system with a handful of new players, growing pains are bound to happen in those situations. You want better when they're your team. You expect better when they're your team. Um, but none of those factors are in play for leads. And that's why I'm more concerned with how Leeds is playing. I think at the end of the day, neither of these clubs are going to be worried about regu- uh, relegation. Um, but for sure, 100%, this is more concerning for Leeds fans, especially considering uh, Bielsa's style of play usually falls apart at the end of the season. If they don't build themselves enough of an egg to survive the end of the year, if there is another collapse, then maybe I could be wrong and maybe they could be fearing relegation. Well said, Chris. Fortunately for both teams, I think there's a a lot of bad teams um, that it'll be hard to fall below them, but I think both teams should certainly be a little nervous. But let's jump into our speed round. Um, Chris has definitely spent enough time on Manchester United. And so we are going to go straight to Tim. Tim, you have two minutes to talk about Liverpool. All right. Let me jump right into it. Um, so it was an unconventional lineup following a midweek champions league match. So it was kind of some weird combinations, players that have never played together in certain roles. So it was interesting to see how that would work. Um, 
some dicey early moments. Zaha, I don't know if you guys saw that. He almost scored and Allison kind of backtracked and like palmed it off the off the post and out for a corner. But it felt really dicey. Um, a couple more close calls in the second half. But um, Mane got his 100th goal in all competitions for Liverpool. So that was super fun to see. And he did that from a really tricky angle. I think that was some of the side netting we were talking about earlier. Um, Salah had a solid, you know, quintessential Salah goal from short range, uh, got booked for his celebration. Um, I think he would say that was worth it. Uh, Navi Keita. I mean, we're going to be talking about goal of the week. This is a, this is a clear contender for that. To use basketball terms, he took this shot from downtown from outside of the box. And it was like, I'm forgetting exactly how it got to him, but it was up in the air, kind of like arcing over towards him. And he just stands there. He doesn't lean back. He doesn't lean forward. And with his left leg, just knocks it in and then just stands there and doesn't make any reaction. It's just, is like deadpan completely for the first few seconds. And then there's this mob and celebration. But I love it because it's Nabi Kate has been a bit of a disappointment for Liverpool since he came over. Uh, he hasn't done a lot. He's had some injury problems, but so it was awesome to see that. And hopefully it kind of breaks some things loose for him. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. I'm going to finish 10 seconds early. Love it. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this already, Kemi, but uh, you cannot take your shirt off in goal in celebration of a goal or you'll get a yellow card. I, I, I saw after in the aftermath of this one that I think Salah has five yellow cards in his Liverpool career, and they are all for doing this. Amazing. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. If you got it, flaunt it, right? Good for him. Yeah, he is so jacked. <laughs> um, I will say, along those lines, my two favorite goal celebrations are one the really long drawn out slide i think it's just such a phenomenal goal scoring reaction and two it's the rip off your shirt and go crazy i'm all for it yeah but it's a it's a yellow every time you take your own shirt off in celebration so what if your teammate takes it off for you <laughs> has anyone ever posed that to him i don't know I imagine it's probably still a yellow card for somebody. (laughs) For somebody, dude. What I want to see, what I want to see. Gosh, I wish I were a professional soccer player and just score one goal. Never too late, man. I. It's too late. late. (laughs) You Um, could could be a third string goalkeeper. That's, but I still got to score a goal. I. Oh, that's true. Love to see someone's got to do the Billy Madison, not Billy Madison, but it's actually the Chris Farley where he's like, that is cold. <laughs> and like slowly pulls his shirt off. That's, that's the goal celebration I want to see. You put it on the podcast, which means it could get out there, which means it could happen. Oh, good. Yeah, I would love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to talk Wolves here. Uh, I've got two minutes to talk Wolves. Um, I'm going to start the timer now. Uh this was by far the worst Wolves have played all season. Um, really sloppy play, disorganized. They, they came out, first 15 minutes were really encouraging. Um, came out firing. They came out looking like the Wolves of the first four matches. And then there was just this 20-minute span where the wheels fell off. Um, Marcel, who had been played pretty well all season, um, he pulls down a player on a corner. I mean, just hugs him and carries it, takes him to the ground, uh, gets a foul in the box, um, which Ivan Tony puts away handily. Uh, that was really discouraging. And then um, not too long after that, Kilman and Sice get kind of owned on a breakaway. And again, Ivan Tony with just a really great pass. Like the timing of it was so good. Um, and they score their second. And then after that, like Brentford, Brentford played so disciplined the whole match that it was, there was no way it didn't feel like wolves were going to do anything. I did see a stat today that the total minute of game time was 99 minutes 
And the amount of minutes that the ball was actually in play was 55 minutes. And so people were talking about the kind of shithousery that Brentford was doing to delay the game, to kick the ball out of bounds, to lay on the ball. But sometimes you got to play that way to win. Um, uh, Tony is great. He's class. I know this is my time to talk about Wolves, but he's great. Um, Treore did have a rocket that just fired off the post. And I think that says a lot about our season. Can I ask you this, Nate? Yeah. Brentford got a red card. 26, 27 minutes left in the game. You guys, was it the highlights didn't show? And I was up more excited to see the game. Did you guys have any semblance or come close to scoring a goal being a man up for that long? No, that's what I mean about like the discipline that Brentford played with. Um, it didn't even ever feel like we were going to break through even with 10 men. I mean, there was hope you're like, Oh, this is great. But you also know that once someone goes down to 10 men and we talked about this in the Liverpool Chelsea match, like as soon as a team goes down to 10 men, they just tighten up and it becomes that much harder to score. And then with Brentford having a two nil lead, they weren't going to push forward much anymore. And so you really knew it was going to be tough and the way, and the way they'd been playing, it really felt like, and it ended up being that they didn't have a chance. And that's part of that, like delay. They delayed. There was guys laying all over the field. It was pretty ridiculous, which it's a part of the gamesmanship. So, I mean, if you, when you're a team newly promoted, beating a team that's had some good success over the last few years, like, and you're away. You got to do what you got to do to get the three points. Cling to those points. America Watch, uh, still pretty abysmal. Pulisic is nearly fit, so that's good. We should see him soon enough. Uh, Sergeant played, started again for Norwich. He had a nice pass to Pookie that uh, Pookie didn't wasn't able to put away, but um, a little bright moment for Sergeant. But he still hasn't scored, so not much to mention on America Watch. Um, I did notice though this blonde set of hair, head of hair. Uh, from Leandro Trossard from Brighton when I was watching that match. And it stands out quite a bit, but what stands out even more is the fact that this guy looks like he should be playing a serial killer in a new Netflix TV drama, because I don't know what it is about that guy, but he looks, he looks like a serial killer to me. Where where is this show uh, set? Where is it filmed? The Prob- south, co- south coast of England, kind of yeah. broad churchy. Yep, yep. South coast of England. He's probably like he's still living at home. Um, yeah, he he plays just FIFA. That's the only. That's the closest he gets <laughs> to the soccer pitch. Um, but yeah, I don't know. His hair was what like drew me to him, but man, I don't know. You guys have seen pictures. I know you've seen pictures. I sent, am I, am I far off? You're not far off. No. And may that be a lesson to you kids starts with FIFA, but just escalates from there. Yeah. He's on my Kyle Walker, uh, all-star team. For anyone who's listened for a few years, you know that Kyle Walker is my, for no reason whatsoever, other than how you look and act on the pitch, I can't stand you. Uh, He's the captain of that team, and uh, Rich Arlison's on that team, and Troussard is definitely on that team. I don't remember what, there was a game last year where something happened against United, and he threw a little tantrum. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy absolutely is on the Kyle Walker All-Star team. Uh, So I'm glad you brought this up because it allows me to just express my totally biased, my without reason, without knowing anything about this man. I do not like him. I will apologize for that. But it is what it is. 
goal of the week. We've already talked about some of the, some of the prime goals. The Nabi Keita goal was great. Um, we didn't talk about Odegaard. Odegaard set scored off a, off a set piece uh, for Arsenal. Great. It was very Leo Messi-esque. That very, left-footed just oh, it was so nice. It was beautiful. Jesse Lingard's goal was great. But I actually want to bring to our attention two goals that, to me, what is more impressive is how the teammates avoided the, goal, the, the shot to allow the goal in. And both of them were in that Leeds-Newcastle game, Kemi, that you watched. Um, and you, you referred to that, that Rafinha goal earlier. But to me, what's more impressive is, and I don't even know who it was, but the way uh, the guy avoids, like spread eagle jumps over the ball, like his, his spatial awareness to know that the ball's on target, that the keeper's out of position, and that him touching it is actually going to ruin it. Like all of what happens on that cross, I don't think it's a shot by by Rafinha at all, uh, is remarkable. It's the wherewithal. It's the same thing in like football when the quarterback is staring right at you. So you think ball's coming, but something in you says, no, there's a guy behind me. So you don't go for the catch. And it's a touchdown to your teammate behind you or in basketball, the same thing. That, that was impressive because I had to watch it. I watched it a couple of times to make sure like, did I see him? Did he tap it? It didn't change directions. So it was just instincts to let it go between his legs enough to catch that, to catch the goal. It was pretty cool. That was my goal of the week. And when balls, when, when kicks like that are, are curving, right. With the spin, it's, it's not a straight line there. So the geometry or trigonometry or whatever's going on in his head, or just at that point, maybe it's just instinct from that, from that many hours of, practice or whatever but but yeah to like you're cutting across this way the ball's cutting across this way and to say oh yeah that's that's going in that's crazy crazy confidence because imagine if it didn't right imagine if it if it goes left why he's just done this big elaborate jump to get out of Mm -hmm. the way that's a man yeah that's a lot of confidence to do that there was another one that um uh, arsenal odegaard I think it was a penalty kick. Um, to it was a that the free one? kick, a free kick. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't even think that was the one. <laughs> I think it was a different one um, that Nate you mentioned earlier. Where oh, the Saint Maximum one. Thank you. Yeah, where his I'm pretty sure it's his teammate jumps to get out of the way, and it misses his 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 feet, but then the it skates right by the goalkeeper's fingertips and catches the goal. So I may have two or three goals of the week. I'm cheating. I'm a cheater. I there were a lot of great, there were a lot of great goals, but yeah, that St. Maximin goal, I, I, that was also a great goal, just how he sets it up. But again, like the wherewithal of his teammates to know that's a shot on target. I need to jump. I know it's, I know he's shooting right now. There's just so much happening in those moments that, that is super impressive. It's also a pretty cool. Last name he has St. Maximin with the, with the hyphen. I just, I'm having some some surname envy right now. <laughs> if you're watching, he's awesome. I he's mean, amazing. He is good. A rad like hippie headband usually, and the dreads going. Like we got to start some kind of a, a a push to get Saint Maxim and Callum Wilson out of Newcastle. Those guys belong somewhere great. They need to get relegated, and then they can leave. Then they'll go somewhere else. There you go. Well, let's look at our our lock it in review um i have somehow started the season five and oh i wish sports betting was uh, available five weeks ago but i am five and oh tim i took chelsea over tottenham tim is in second he took liverpool over crystal palace he's at four and one which is equally impressive and then uh, bringing up the bottom is both kemi and chris at two and three chris had city over southampton which Right where I, I belong. I don't believe, don't blame you for that. And Kemi, you unfortunately took Wolves <laughs> over Brentford, which I also thought was a good pick, but what do, what do we know? Um, so for this week, Kemi, you had uh, first pick and who are you taking? Um, my lock it in. Um, uh, Man U. That's right. This week. Manchester yeah, United. Man 
over Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, you have second pick. Yeah, I don't know whether to be excited that Kenny was United <laughs> over Aston Villa. Um, but, I mean, hey, we all know my powers picking these games. <laughs> I came on the poll last week when City drew against Southampton after Pep had to beg the people of Manchester to come to the game. <laughs> um, but this week I'm really testing my powers uh, to affect the top of the table as I'm taking Liverpool over Brentford. Tim? I accept that. Um, I'm taking West Ham over Leeds. I think West Ham looked really strong. Leeds hasn't. So it, it pains me to bet against my man Marcelo Bielsa, but that's my pick, West Ham. These are these are tough matches this week. I am taking Wolves over Southampton. Um, actually, Wolves only win this season is when I chose when I picked them. So uh, maybe they'll pull it off again. Um, there's some matches for us to watch this week that I think are important. The Chelsea City match obviously is the headliner. Uh, that'll be one to keep our eyes on. Also, uh, Arsenal Tottenham, affectionately known as the North London Derby. That'll be a good one to keep your eye on. And I think, I think United Villa has the potential to be a exciting game. And I think Brent, Brentford Liverpool, um, will at least get a better idea of what Brentford has going up against a club like Liverpool. Is that, is that at Brentford? Um, I think it is. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Well, we're looking that up, Kemi. Which team? At, at Brentford. You? At Brentford, that. yeah. Uh, Kemi, who are you featuring? I've got Everton at Norwich this week. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. give me all the all the grit. All right. So for Everton, um, Everton is in Liverpool. So they are rivals of Liverpool. Um, they're right across a park. There's this big city park and they're like the stadiums are just on opposite sides of a park. Pretty crazy. Yeah. They are, um, an interesting team. They maybe like the Cubs were before the Cubs won the world series, like lots of heartache. They're like, just, they've been in the premier league for a long time. They they're a mainstay, but they just hover around six to eight, six to nine. Um, maybe the Mets are a better, maybe the Mets are a better comparison because they've got the Yankees and the Yankees have all the glory and the Mets are just kind of floundering around, but uh, Lakers Clippers. Lakers Clippers is probably a good one. Yeah, you're more of a basketball guy. They should be better than they than they are. Okay. Right. With the resources better. they have, the fans they have, they should be better. Yep. They they have uh they have England's national team keeper. So Jordan Pickford um will be a guy to look out for. He he's kind of on my Kyle Walker team. Oh, he's definitely <laughs> I've, on mine. I've never liked well, you have good reason for that, Tim, but yeah. Uh, I've just never liked, but just him. in general. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, he's just, I don't know, whatever, but he's England's national team keeper. So he's someone to keep uh, your eye out for. Um, Damari gray. We talked about him with his uh, failed goal celebration. A couple oh, that's of right. Where he said yeah. he's had a great start to the season. He has three goals already. Uh, they have a Brazilian guy, Richarlison. He's, has been a prolific, pretty prolific goal scorer for them. Um, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, they, gosh, they, they really have a fun. They have a fun team. Uh, Alex Awobi, Nigerian guy. Nigerian name, yeah, yeah. Alex Awobi. He's a guy to keep your eye out for. Um, is this a home game for Everton, or is it? This is at Norwich. Oh, okay. So are probably going to be wearing their sweet road kits. They have. They just have a. They have a lot of good players. Yeri Mina is a defender for them. Um, Andres, they have a, a Andres, lot of good players, but they kind of skate in the middle. 
Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just like looking and maybe it's just players that I enjoy. So like, I'm kind yeah. of watching this and like, Oh, I'm looking at all these players, guys that I've enjoyed watching Andros Townsend. He also, he used to be a crystal palace guy. Um, he had that great goal last week. Was it last week? Yeah. Yeah. Last week. Great strike. Um, They've got James Rodriguez from Colombia, who is like the star of the World Cup, I think in like 2014, but has just never been able to do it. So I'm, I keep secretly hoping that he'll pull it around, but they've got a lot of talent. And he came to the club because of their previous manager. And so he wanted out. So he's a disgruntled player. I don't think he's yep. even featured this season. No. Um, it's weird because he he's really great, but they got rid of their manager. They have a new manager, Rafa Benitez who has been around the premier league for a lot of different clubs. Uh, most recently he was with Newcastle, but. And could I just add most controversially? Yes. Were you going to say that? Yeah, but you okay, say, go it. ahead. No. no, okay. no, no, no. You say it. You so, so when Liverpool won the champions league back in 2005, it was this like the most miraculous night. And he was their manager for that era. So to like, that's another one of those like unspoken rules. Nate was talking about like, if you score a goal and you temper your celebration against that team, it's kind of like a manager doesn't get hired or doesn't take a job at the rival club. Okay. If he's like, if he's an iconic manager with this club, I mean, Jose Mourinho has like trampled on that tradition many times, but, um, but yeah, so it's controversial, including among Everton fans, Everton fans have been uncertain whether to welcome him because he was like the hated Liverpool manager. So, yeah. So Everton fans are kind of, I think, in wait and see mode with him a bit, but he's like top, top notch. Okay. They're a fun yet, team. Okay. I so I should enjoy it. Good run. They're, they're, they're a, they're a, a likable team. If you're not a Liverpool fan, I would say. Okay. Uh, when, when do they play Liverpool? Oh, I think I it's in, in October. My gut tells me that'd be a fun one. To, to that catch. is always a fun one. The Merseyside Derby. It's uh, where is it? Well, you guys are looking that up this week. We have uh, Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup is one of the side cups that takes place mid-season. Kemi, it is confusing. We'll talk about it one of these weeks when we have time. But um, this is teams from multiple different divisions within English football playing each other in the hopes of winning a cup. Um, so all four of the, the neophyte teams are playing uh, Fulham and Leeds. Ironically, if you listen last season, you'll know how much Kyle hated Fulham and how, and he ended up choosing Leeds. So they face each other tomorrow and Norwich plays Liverpool. Liverpool plays at Norwich. And then on Wednesday, Wolves face Tottenham. So they get a second chance to, to face their old manager, Nuno. And back-to-back double feature, Manchester United faces West Ham, this time at Old Trafford. Fun little scheduling when that happens. It happened last year, too, for the same thing uh, for United. Uh, Everton-Liverpool, November 30th is the matchup. Nice. 70 days, 70 days, 14 hours, some number of minutes. I just looked it up. The other thing that's fun about these cup matches, uh, Kemi, it's, they're hard to watch when they're midweek. They won't be on NBC. I think ESPN probably, I think, has the rights to those matches. But if you can and you can watch, you can see some of the low division teams. So I think there's only two teams from League Two which is the fourth division Oldham athletic plays Brentford and Rochdale plays Burnley. And so you get some teams from the lower divisions and that, that can be quite amusing and kind of fun to root for the lower teams. How many of these inner season, what do you call them? Tournaments. Okay. There's two. two. Cool. There's two. The, the Carabao cup, includes only the top four divisions and certain teams enter in at different rounds. So um, for instance, Wolves played in the second round, but the top seven teams 
don't enter until the third round. So it's kind of like you get a break if you finish. So this will be the first time Liverpool or Manchester United have played um, in the Carabao Cup. The other cup is called the FA Cup. And that cup includes everyone from all divisions of English football. So at some point when those matches start, we'll kind of key in and we'll, there'll be some Cinderella team that's from like the sixth division that'll make it to like the second or third round. And they'll end up playing wolves. The wolves played a team like that last year where like literally it was like a chain link fence around the pitch for the game. And you could just walk, walk up and watch the match if you wanted to. These are guys with day jobs who like, it's that's like right. Have glorified rec league. I mean, it's bigger than that, but. It would it would kind of crazy. Be, it would kind of be like if American football ran a tournament in the same style, and they're like, "All right, the Arizona Rattlers this week play the New York Giants, or the Alabama Crimson Tide play the Jacksonville Jaguars." <laughs> yeah, but even even like more. But who would win in that one, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> you know the answer. <laughs> I think that it's actually my favorite part about these cups is the way they structure the schedule is that they don't just like go, okay, we've got these 20 clubs in the premier league. They'll play the bottom 20 in league. Right. Six. Like you notice West Ham is playing Manchester United this week, but one of those teams is going to be out after the game. And so, you know, you do see these lower level teams who get to play each other and work their way up. There's always a situation where, you know, Wolves play Luton town or, you know, city played like, I can't like Charlie's bar and tap or something. Like they played, <laughs> you know, and it was like one mil for them with like 20 minutes left. And then city scored like five goals in 20 minutes. But like, it's just, it's fun for me as a fan, just to be like, come on, David beat Goliath once more. And it makes, it makes for interesting strategy for these clubs because they have to decide how they want to manage their, their, their roster for the season. So for particularly the ones that are in champions league and Europa, they've got, they had matches midweek last week. So teams like Manchester United and West Ham, they both had midweek matches last week. Now they have midweek matches this week and they're facing a tough opponent. So they have to decide like, you know what, we're going to sit Ronaldo and let Cavani play this week. And they'll make some decisions like that. They'll still put him on their team in case they want to bring him in towards the end of the match. But, but typically they'll try and rest some of their, their maybe older or better players um, or in these earlier rounds. And what we learned last year is that no club has ever pulled off the quadruple, which is the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, the uh, Champions, League. Champions League and winning the Premier League. No club has ever done it in the same season. Yep. But everyone thought City could pull it off last year. They kind of had a small letdown at the end of the season where they only ended up winning the Premier League and losing every other cup. Yep. All right, gentlemen. That's enough. That was a fun one. <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks to everyone who stuck with us. That's right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Good work, Cammy. Glazers out, boys.